All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea, Jerusalem, Hebron, and the land of blessings, the Holy Land, and it's reaching out to you wherever you are, so shalom, and welcome to the Land of Israel Network as well, our great network, and uh, we have on the show today Rabbi Mike Foyer, he's here for a great half, and Malka Fleischer for a fabulous and funny half. Uh, it's all here, but we're going to start the show a little bit differently today, and this is a tribute uh, to my good friend Rabbi uh, Ari Abramowitz, uh, who is the co-founder of the Land of Israel Network, and he asked me to start the show this week by doing the uh, my take on the purchase of the Maratha Machpelah, the negotiation for Maratha Machpelah for the Tomb of the Fathers and Mothers in Hebron between Abraham and the Hittites, and especially Ephron the Hittite. And uh, he asked me to kind of do my thing, uh, so this is a tribute to him. And then we're going to go to Rabbi Mike Foyer for the continuation of the Torah portion, and then to Malka Fleischer uh, for the issues of the day and for some some laughs. Uh, so that's that's the makeup of the show. And we're talking about a special Torah portion for for me, uh, given that I work in Hebron, I have the great merit, the great schut to work in Hebron, where the tombs of the fathers and mothers are. And that all begins in this week's Torah portion. And therefore, we also have in the country a humongous festival, I like to call it Woodstock Meets the Bible. And that is this giant festival called Chai Sarat Shabbat in Hebron. And uh, it's all for so that people could hear and read the Torah portion, which bespeaks of that purchase, right at the place where it took place originally and where the land was bought in perpetuity for the Jewish people. So here we go, chapter 23 of the book of Genesis, Perek Chav Gimel, Chayei Sarah Bereshit. And the story starts out that Sarah passes away, and it says uh, that her years were 127 years. There's a lot of commentary on that she lived a full life and that she was you know, beautiful. A lot of commentary there, but that's not what I want to get to today. It says, V'tamat Sarah b'kirat arba Hebron. She passed away, Sarah passed away in Kirat Arba. It's Hebron, Beret Knan, in the land of Canaan. Abraham came to eulogize Sarah and to cry for her. Now, now Abraham gets up uh, from before his dead, so we understand here that his dead may be laying before him right there. There's a body there. That's, imp- that's an important kind of thing to understand when you're setting up the scene. There's a body there in Hebron, and then there's Abraham, this very important person. And he said to the Hittites, or the children of, of the Hittites, uh, uh, thusly, I am a sojourner with you. Let me have a burial plot with you, and I shall bury my dead from before me. Meaning to say, look, right here is my dead, and help me bury this, help me take care of this problem, this pain that I have right now. So there's an urgency in the air. Now, they answered him saying. So the way the, the, the verse lays it out is already that there's this like formal, he said to them a request, and then they started answering him. There's something formalistic and ritualistic about this uh, discourse, right? And they said to him, You listen to us, sir. And pay attention to this word listen. This word listen is a, a recurring word. Listen to us, sir. You are a prince of God amongst us. Pick the choices. 
of the of our burial plots to bury your dead. None of us will stop uh, from giving, none of us will stop, will, will not give you our best grave, so you can bury your dead. Okay? So, so they are giving him what's called a, a gesture. Okay? They're, they're giving him a, a Middle East gesture. Take, none, none of us is going to stop it. Please, sir, you're an important person. We respect you. Take from our best. So how does Abraham uh, uh, respond? How does Avraham respond? Abraham got up and prostrated himself, bowed down before the Hittites, the people of the land. So this is an important person, and he's bowing down to them. Also a gesture. And there's also pace here. There's a meter. The meter isn't fast. It's slow. He makes a request. They say, listen. They make their counter. He bows down to them. And he said to them thusly, If it's in your heart to, to bury my dead from before me, again, the dead body is right there. And there's, there's something very visceral about it. You listen to me. Right? They said, listen to us. And he says, listen to me. Find for me this guy named Ephron, the son of Tzohar. And Avram continues, So he says, find me this guy Ephron ben Sochar, and he'll give me the cave of Machpelah. What does that mean? Either it's a name uh, or a double cave, um, which is his, and it's in the edge of his field. For full money, shall he give it to me? Full, full cost. Not, I don't want it for free. With, with amongst you for for a burial plot. Now Ephron was there. Ephron yoshev betoch bnei chet, and Ephron happened to be in the gate of the city. By the way, uh, I, I, what I didn't mention is that um, is that we're talking about. We're gonna. We'll see in a second. When where people sit and congregate in the ancient world was at the gate of a city. Uh, some people say it's because it's the strongest part. Other people say it's because there's shade there. Other people say it's because of the comings and goings. But it's actually a known thing in ancient history that people would congregate at the, at the gate, and we have many such examples in the Bible. So, now, now this Ephron was sitting amongst this group of people, amongst the Hittites. So, so Ephron, who was sitting at the gate, he answers Abraham in the ears of the other Hittites, meaning to say there are witnesses. It's a, it's a now it's clear that this is a public discourse, right? So it's a big. It's not a four. It's not two. Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, we we say here in Hebrew we say bar and with four eyes, meaning to say uh, you know uh, mano y mano, right? No, it's not like that. It's actually public, and he answers Abraham at the gate of his city. We need to say Ephron's city, Ephron the Hittites, because it's a Hittite city, right? But we'll see how that changes later on. Saying, and this is what he said, Lo Adoni, no, sir, Shamaini, listen to me. I have given you the field, and the cave that's within it. I have given it to you, in the eyes of the of the children of my nation, my nation, I have given it to you, 
excuse me, Natatia Elach, Kvo Metecha. Go ahead and bury your dead. So, so this is also a gesture. Okay, now, before the Hittite said, we'll give you whatever you want, now he says, I'll, I give it to you for free. Sure, take whatever you want. I give it to you in front of everybody. I have enriched Abraham. I have given him what he wanted. Again, the meter is slow. Abraham bows down in front of the people of the land, in front of the Hittites. And he speaks now to Ephron in the ears of the people of the land. Meaning to say, again, it's a public discourse, and everybody's listening. And he says, he says, saying, If you indeed are for me, then hear me. You listen to me. I've already... I've already separated out the money for the field. Kach me many. Just take it from me. I've already set it aside. Meaning to say, you're not putting me out. I've already like made the calculation. It's already out of my hands. I've already, I've already given the money. Kach me many. Take it from me. Vekbarat miti shama, and I will bury my dead there. Okay. So, uh, like, 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 like. Like, don't worry about asking me for money because I've already set it aside in my head. It's part of my calculations. I really just want to pay for it. And let me bury my dead there. So Ephron answered him, answered Abraham, saying to him, Yan means, it means two things. It really means to understand and to answer. Uh, by the way, that word is, is used in, in, um, in Arabic today. They say Yani. Yani means meaning to say. I, I want to say, I'd like to say, or, or in other words. Uh, anyway, so Ephron uh, um, says to Abraham, thusly, Adoni, sir, Shem'aini, listen to me. Eretz arba me'ot shekel kesef, the land is worth 400 silver weight. What is it between you and me? And therefore bury your dead. We need to say this sum of money. Now, there's been different estimations of what this money is. I've heard everything between $100,000 and a million dollars. We're talking about a large, large sum. It's definitely no deal. Okay, it's definitely not a, a uh, symbolic money. We're talking about silver weight, full silver weight, uh, 400 of it. He says that's how much it's worth. And he says this in a very Middle Eastern fashion. What is it between us, friends? We're both strong guys, both wealthy guys. That's how much the land is worth. What are we talking about money for? 400 silver weight, you know, and, and, and then bury your dead because that it keeps on coming back. Like, that's what it's really about, right? Don't worry about the land, the land. Just give me this million dollars and it's no big deal. Abraham heard Ephron. Again, he's, he's very attentive. He's very serious. He's taking this Ephron guy very seriously. And Abraham weighed out for Ephron the money which he had spoken in front of all these witnesses, the Hittites. 400 silver weight of, of silver, 400 weight of silver passing over to the merchant. Meaning to say, Rashi explains that the kind of coinage that he gave him was the kind of coinage that's accepted everywhere. He gave him the best most accepted coins. There's just no, there's no, he didn't give him small change. He gave him big coins. It wasn't coins. It was, it was really weight, but meaning to say like, like totally accepted weight everywhere else, not chips, but like big hunks or what are they called? Nodules in such a fashion that there was never going to be any, any way to make this deal 
seem that it didn't happen or somehow nullify or eviscerate the deal later on down the line, this is going to stick. And he passed him the money. So now the Torah goes into narration mode and it says, The field of Ephron rose up or it became it's the place, what did it become? First, let me tell you where it is. It's, it's, it's Bamachpela, it's the double, or this place called Machpela, which is in front of Mamre, which is a mountain right there called Jabal Nimra today. Hasadeh vehamara, the field and the cave, Asherbo, which is in this, uh, this, um, this plot of land. Kol ha'etz, Asher basadeh, and all the trees that are in the field, Asher bechol gvulosaviv, which is all around the property, what happened to it? It rose up and became Le'Avraham to Abraham, Le'Mikneh, for a purchase. Le'Mikneh, Le'Enei B'nei Chet, for the Hittites. Bechol Ba'eshar, all the people that came into the gate of his city. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's read that verse again. Le'Avraham, it became for Abraham. Le'Mikneh, for a purchase. Le'Enei B'nei Chet, in front of the eyes of the Hittites. Bechol Ba'eshar, all the people that came into the gate of his city. Who's the his? It's Abraham's. See, before, the city belonged to the Hittites, and it belonged to Ephron the Hittite. But the minute that Abraham made that purchase, somehow the gate of the city became his. Uh, The city became his. Because the places in the land of Israel, like the Temple Mount, like the tomb of Joseph, and like the Machpelah in Hebron, are the keys to holding on to these places. If you hold on to the Machpelah, you control Hebron. If you hold on to the tomb of Joseph, you control Shechem. If you hold on to the Temple Mount, you control Jerusalem. And you, whoever controls these three places, I think has basically the key to the land of Israel. Uh, and that's why our forefathers purchased these places. But the Torah, very, very, very subtly, signals to you very subtly it's just you got to pick up on these things which is like look the whole city shifted control with the control of the city was shifted from the hittites to abraham with this one purchase and the torah says now it's shariro it's the gate of his city it's the city of abraham uh and then it says afterwards abraham buried sarah his wife ishto into the cave of the, that is in the field of Machpelah, which is on the face of Mamre. He Hebron, it is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The Torah says this over and over and over again, just making sure that you got your GPS, your Google Maps open. It's Hebron in the land of Canaan. It's also Kirat Arba. It's next to Jabal Nimra. It tells you all these things just to make sure. No doubt, no doubt's going to be there, and that's going to be the way the way people know it for two thousand years until uh, Herod, two thousand years later. Wait, two thousand years? Yeah, two thousand years later. One second, let me make the math again. Yeah, I guess eighteen hundred years later, uh, after this event took place, did King Herod build the building that is still there today? And for us, it's two thousand years old, and it came two thousand years after the eighteen hundred years after the burial. So the, that building that's there today is about a midway point in history, I like to point out. And now we now instead of the GPS of the Bible, we know it because there's this massive building there. But the, before there was a giant building there, the Torah keeps on saying, this is where it is. 
You got to know where it is. It's a real place in the land of Israel. It's a real purchase. Notice, by the way, that the name of God was not present in this story. Why? Because it wasn't about God's promises. It wasn't about God's gifts. It was about business. This was Abraham fulfilling something, which was really the promise that God had made to him earlier, that you will inherit this land. And through the death of Sarah, did did Abraham inherit this land, to purchase this land? And I want to say this is one of the reasons that I don't like the the term cave of the patriarchs, since it is Sarah who's buried there first in many ways. It's the cave of the matriarchs. In any case, what I always say is tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, uh, or uh, the, the tomb of the forefathers and mothers. Final verse here is Vayakam Hasadeh the field and the cave that is within it rose up or became for Abraham, for an eternal a burial plot from the Hittites. And so, to, so this is the beginning of, of, uh, of ownership of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, the burial of Sarah. And we continue now with the great effort to find somebody to, to, uh, suitable to fill the next level of awesome matriarch and that's going to be the incredible character of Rivka of Rebecca. Uh, so now I end this part. This is this was dedicated to Arya Bramowitz uh, on the Land of Israel Network, and now we begin with Rabbi Mike Foyer. So here we go. Thanks a lot. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Jerusalem to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom, and welcome back to the land of Israel. In the meantime, while I was uh, from last show to this show, uh, I've been to both uh, Palm Beach, which is really an island, uh, and then drove across from Palm Beach to Sarasota, saw my wife's grandfather, and from there to Tampa, drove up to Tampa, flew out of Tampa, into Miami airport and back to Israel, and here I am. Rabbi Mike Foyer, you join us. Shalom, Rabbi Mike. You got quite a tan there, Yisha. Yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't really get a chance to sit so much in the sun, but I was in the beautiful Breakers Hotel, which uh, I, I can hear that some people in the audience that are listening are like, yeah, and other people are like, what's that? Well, it's a really <laughs> fancy hotel. It's a really, really nice hotel. They let hotel. Jews in there? I think that that Palm Beach used to not let Jews so much well, in there. That's a, it's a new new yeah, innovation. Yeah, but but like 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 other places, you know, that they didn't let the Jews in. They kept them really nice until the Jews had enough money to to go into. And money talks, right? And uh, there's a place like that also in uh, in in San Diego. I, f- I forgot the name of the place. La Jolla, not La Jolla, something like that. Uh, no. Uh, anyway, whatever. There's a place in San Diego that's like that also. Yeah, I think it's La Jolla. In any case, uh, so Palm Beach was really nice. And then I I drove across Florida. Now, Florida to me is, I characterize it as a tongue. It's like, (laughs) that's just unpleasant. (laughs) It's long. It's mushy. It's, (laughs) it's. Enough said. And it is a wild place, man. I mean, you know how many days, weeks I've spent floating rivers in Florida? Really? Mamish. I've done a 21 day trip on the. Tim River and in, 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 I've been on the Swanee, as in way down it, upon the. It, it's the kind of place that I think to myself: if I ever had to like lie down here, I've even done backpacking trips in Florida. Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it a little dangerous? Don't crazy critters live in those? There's waters? all kinds of wacky stuff out there for sure. Yeah, I've been stung by a scorpion in Florida. Oh, it was inside my glove. Oh, that hurt. I feel like I feel like if you would like like be like, let's just take a nap here. Like something will come and just. It may not end you. well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, 
I know that I, this is this is a dark form. This is a dark humor, but I always. <laughs> It's the look on your face right now. I'm telling you, we got to get a camera in when you say these things. You know, you know that whenever planes crash in uh, in yeah, the swamps, swamp. what's it called? The uh, the whole swamp area, and the Everglades, the Everglades. Like, there's no They're remains. Never found again. There's no remains. <laughs> no. There's metal pieces, yeah. but not any. Oil. No flesh. Yeah, no flesh. No, no, no. Oh my god, Florida is a nutty place like that. Yep. And it's like it's only just civilized it like it's only just like on the it like you feel i feel like if like people left for 50 years i'm telling you man you get a week out on what some of these rivers and and you have left everything behind right and right. Then you come across these houses with the confederate flag hanging from the porch just like <laughs> out there and you're like thinking "Ooh, what's going on in there <laughs> i've had some pretty crazy florida experiences oh my God. myself yes. florida's a wild place it really is a wild place but it's also a very beautiful place truthfully and there's also beautiful birds and beautiful wildlife fancy hotels um, fancy hotels really nice hotels on the beach and when i say on the beach i don't mean across the street from the beach yeah. i mean on the sea meaning get there on now the before the sea eats it well yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's the theme i just keep bringing it up so people can think about yeah, it yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll we'll see uh where, where did i see uh, oh we will yeah we <laughs> What, what was Hold the high ground, people. What was the, there was some kind of weather pattern that they said was like some kind of crazy weather pattern, but they're like, we haven't seen anything like this in 50 years. I'm like, so 50 years ago, you had the same weather pattern? It's, yeah, it's, right. Anyway, uh, anyway, the bottom line is that, um, so so in the meantime, be, between these uh, between our, our shows, uh, I, I had this, this traveling. Uh, I went to the, the Miami airport, by the way, is like a city. It's like a giant. I haven't I been there. I've ever been there. I haven't been there in a long time because I usually fly into the little airports. But anyway, uh, it, it's quite quite a thing. Um, kosher food was at a premium on this trip. It wasn't the easiest thing to to get uh, kosher food, but I did. I did get kosher food, and it was it was catered at the hotel. And I was speaking at the David Horowitz Freedom Center Restoration Weekend, and I saw some of uh, some of my uh, friends. Uh, for example, Richard Kemp. Who is a, a, a great uh, former general British? Yeah, he was almost general. I think it was lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel, and, yes. And he's a you know a British whatever like general, um, and uh, other people that that were just just fabulous to see all kind all kinds of conservative folks. And there I was talking, of course, about Israel and about our challenges. And I talked about the two wars, two attacks that we faced last week, which was the rocket attack. And then also the European um, marking of goods, the decision to mark Israeli goods coming out of Judea and Samaria as occupation, coming, not coming out of Israel, but out of occupied Palestine, whatever it is. So I was talking about those two wars and how they dovetail. Oh, yeah. Little did I know that this week was going to be this announcement that came out of Secretary Pompeo of the United States, which basically said that they're repealing the 1979 Hansel Memorandum which states that uh, a Jewish presence in Judea and Samaria in the West Bank is illegal under international law, and that was repealed. Okay, that was repealed, and uh, I think very sensically, and it was also euphoric for folks who've been fighting for a long time, both for the rights of Jews in Judea and Samaria, and also against the narrative war, which uses the occupation accusation as a bludgeon to, to smash us over the head. You were on a panel yesterday here at Pardes Institute yes, about these issues uh, yourself. Yeah, well, you know, here at Pardes, we tend to take a more personal line. So they, the question to four faculty members was, was, what's your relationship to the green line? Um, oh, is that the question? That was the question. Well, okay. it was the, the general. It was meant to just loft it out there in order to let oh, you talk. Fine, it's good. Um, my first answer was that it's completely insignificant. 
and, and I then tried to demonstrate how, like, you know, whatever your sort of like political or cultural opinions are, to give an overdue significance to the line that was drawn on a map when we managed to hold off the United Arab Armies from destroying our national home is a little bit ludicrous. Right. It's, it's not like uh, the Mason-Dixon line or something, you know. Anyway, it's a, it was, a, it was a, I think, a successful discussion. That's very interesting. And the way you said that actually uh, just triggered a thought in my head, which is that we are also living in a generation. You and I remember the Berlin Wall falling. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Sure. I was in a lot. I, what was I, 13, I think, something like that. Must have been, uh, was it, um, it was, was it 1989. Yeah, I was 13, exactly. What? Really? I was in high school. How old 80? are you? I'm 43. Oh, you're younger than I am. So, uh, so I was exactly 13. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. I remember that. And so I was in a lot, and you know, there was that Scorpion song, you know? Uh, uh, down you lost to me on the Scorpion. Park, listening to the wind nope. of change. That was, that was the song. That was the anthem of, of the Berlin Wall falling. I think I was listening to reggae and... Okay, I get, that. 80s, early I get 90s. that. Oh, reggae—that's what my kids call the guy with the funny pants, <laughs> because because in Israel you can the see Bob a Marley. lot of Bob Marley pants. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's like what? I always tell happen? them, I'm like, oh, funny pants guy. Here, listen, guys. Okay. Anyway, so um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, so so how here, did get here. here. Here's here's what I was before we get to funny pants. Here's what I was trying to say, is that what happened yesterday with the uh, deci- with the announcement of the Secretary of State. To withdraw the Hansel Memorandum is akin, in my mind, since of what you said, that a certain wall has fallen. Yeah. Right? A certain wall. My parents also were behind the wall. My parents were behind the, the wall of the Soviet Union. The Jews and, and, and uh, other factors undermined that whole wall. It fell down. Listen, right? it's, it's part of a larger um, reconstruction, collapse, call it what you will, of the post-World War II world. Mm-hmm. Right and and um, we as Jews, it would behoove us to uh, sort of feel that as a sense of freedom instead of one of fear. Right? There's a lot of people who are very nervous, like what's happening all around us, and states are failing, and alliances are shifting, walls are collapsing. At the same time, we should see it as an opportunity to set ourselves really free of a lot of the illusions that have held us back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's certain walls have sure. definitely fallen. I was ecstatic, and I was tweeting my face off. <laughs> and I was also I had the time because I was exactly in two airports, you know, and all that, you know, middle time where you're not where you're neither here nor there, neither here, Liter- <laughs> you're, you're, literally. Yeah, you're like you're neither, Yeah, you're 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 barely even totally human because you actually have to compress yourself to get into an airplane in so many ways. Oh yeah, not, you 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 become a compressed, and it actually takes time to decompress when you come home. Yep. Uh, so, but in any case, that's great tweeting time, and I've been just firing away. And you know what I've been doing also? I've I really uh, on Twitter. I have not really been uh, addressing all the critiques of the you know hard left and all that, or the Arabs. I've been more like just touting the positive because <clears throat> I think something great really happened and very very important for us. And um, one of the ways that you could tell is that the other side is really upset about it, uh, and that happens to and our good friend Zev Ornstein who also listens to the show uh, said something to me which I think um, was very strong and he he mentioned to me that isn't it interesting that this dovetails with this week's Torah portion which is Chaye Sarah which is the first pr- purchase of the Jewish people in the land of Israel and the, the basically the establishment of legal rights of, of human legal rights in the land of Israel in Judea 
and so it dovetails very beautifully that this that came together on this on this week's Torah portion. Um, and and I think it happened. What, what days it did? When did that happen? Yesterday. I'm already so confused because of the flights. I guess it happened the day before yesterday, Monday. I think it was anyway, yesterday. Whatever. Was it yesterday? In any, any case, the, the bottom line, it, it really fit well with with the Torah portion. And uh, and we do have to talk about it uh, for 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 us in the work in Hebron. This is of course the big Torah portion. I think this is the the Torah portion of Hebron and and, and the purchase of of the the cave the of the the tomb of the patriarchs the matriarchs, and it's also a Torah portion of love. I really think that this this is what it, the real two themes of of this week's Torah portion. And I have uh, already right before I started recording with you, I've spoken out the whole. Um, purchase and the negotiation the, the middle east style negotiation that is the negotiation between avraham and the hittites and ephron the Hitt, uh, hittite uh but i wanted to talk with you about first thing let's start with the issue of, of sarah passing away mm-hmm. okay sarah's passing away and uh c- comes abraham to 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 eulogize Sarah and to cry for her. Is this a common thing 3,800 years ago to have that kind of relationship with a woman? I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I contrast it with like the bit of conversation we had last week about Lot's daughters and spoke about how could he do such a thing as offer his daughters basically as, as prey to, to the people of Sodom. And one of the assertions I made is, well, this is this the Torah is, was given to a society which was patriarchal in which you know women, certainly children, were seen as property. So here, this is the exact inverse, where where um and and let's not forget the context here is is very dramatic. The way the midrash presents it, by the way, it's clear that Avram wasn't with Sarah when she died, because mm-hmm. he came, right to sort of uh, to eulogize and mourn. Um, also, you know, the midrash says that why did Sarah die, particularly now, because she heard that Yitzchak was almost sacrificed. Right. That the word of what had gone down there right. on Mount Moriah had gotten to her. Okay, so here. Here's a little story from from the airplane. I was putting my luggage down in the uh, to get my ticket at the Tampa Airport, Tampa mm-hmm. International, nice airport. Uh, and I put my stuff down, and it weighed fifty three pounds. Ooh! And the lady says to me, "Well, it's a little bit overweight." And I'm like, "I could take something out." She's like, "That'll be good, sugar." And I'm like, "Okay." So I reached into my bag. And I saw all kinds of stuff, and I saw that I had a that I took my Nativot Shalom and another book in a little bag. I took it out, I closed the bag in. It was exactly fifty pounds. So it gave me a sense that Hashem wanted me to learn this book on the plane. On the plane. So I learned it, and and uh, one of the things that I learned was exactly about what you just said. He says that one of the ways that the, the that the Satan, that the dark energy in this world, works against us, sometimes it blocks us. That's in front of you, mm-hmm. or and sometimes it comes behind you. Get rid right. of the Satan in front of us and behind us. Behind us is when he makes you doubt an accomplishment that you've had. And he said the way that that he wanted to to make Avraham doubt the accomplishment is the death of Sarah, the accomplishment of the Akeda. But therefore, therefore Rashi comes and says that she that the reason there's a small chaf and leaf kota is in order to say to you that she died because she was old and, and it was fulfilled and the 127 years were full and, and, and you shouldn't have any doubts that, that, that everything came in its right time. The fact is, is that... I mean, I hear it. Nevertheless, the Midrash does say right. that, that what killed her was the sort of rumor of, of the, um, the Akedah and, and I would or, point out... Or, or another way of saying it is that since she heard that he survived the Akedah, then she knew that her tafkid, her, her role was done. 
Okay, but that's not what the way the majors puts it. I mean, stop with the apologetics. There's different perspectives on this. What I'm saying is that is that um, it's that the, there's something very important in understanding this. A whole new relationship with God came into the world there on Mount Moriah, and and the old world passed from that. Mm-hmm. It was broken by it. Mm-hmm. Abraham and Yitzchak don't really have a relationship going forward from here. Sarah is gone. Now Abraham carries through by making sure that he finds a wife for Yitzchak but at this point there's there's a handoff that happened mm-hmm. right because and, and and sometimes the 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 power of bringing something new into the world depends on the breaking of the old mm-hmm. it, it, it's not a pretty or or gentle reality but I, I think that that's one of the messages of the Midrash it bespeaks what we were speaking about before there's like walls break things come down you want something new in the world that means that oftentimes what was old is going to go and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean it wasn't important or precious or but listen Moshe Rabbeinu isn't going to lead Am Yisrael into mm-hmm. into Eretz Yisrael Yehoshua is going to do it right because Moshe belonged to a previous world you know, so that's, uh, that's how I'm pointing out here that, that this that moment goes also of, to to what our discussion uh, with the flood yeah it's like something sometimes things have to get kind of but on a, I would say on a sort of a psycho-emotional level, something that I work a lot with people on is the importance of mourning. Right? I mean, the, the, the reality of what might have been has to be mourned if you're going to move into what could be. It's a big mistake people want to make. It's like, well, that's over. Right. Or, or I, won't, I didn't get that job or that, that, you know, that girl or whatever it was, so I'm moving on. It's important to move on, but, but you have to actually mourn. You have to own the loss either of what you had or of what might have been in order to do it in a healthy fashion. Mm-hmm. Don't skip that step. Right. And I think that that's why our Parsha begins there. It's not a Parsha of mourning. Levich no. said, this is a Parsha of establishing our, our legal human right to Eretz Yisrael. It's a Parsha of marriage and love. And you, but, but it begins with a recognition that in order for those things, those growthful, life-giving things to come into the world, you have to mourn the loss. Mm-hmm. My Christian friends, by the way, always say to me that the one of the main things that they're a little bit jealous of in Judaism is our rights of mourning. That they they really appreciate R I T E S, right? Like our the, practices, the practices of mourning. That's yeah, because uh, it really is very. It really does give a. Um, it's a powerful vessel for channeling what is a very difficult yeah. experience at best. Right, no question. Okay, but before we get to mourning, and a great segue for that is, put your hand under my thigh. Ooh. There's an Whoa. amazing. There's an amazing. Yeah, that, a little, a little too much information. That, that wasn't TMI. an invitation. That was no. a quote from the Bible. <laughs> Just want to be clear, if I anybody's think, listening. I think I'm going to call the show. Put your hand under my thigh. That's what I think. Only I'm if you have a picture of me going whoa <laughs> next to it. Which <laughs> I saw you did call the last show poking the jihad bear. That yeah, that was, that was good. That, that was really good. That was good. That was really good. I I actually really love this. Put your hand under my thigh business. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why, because, because th- there is now a Rashi and there's explanation that it means hold on to his, his Brit Milah, sure. his covenant, but I'm going to take it actually personally. I think it's actually very sensical to take it at face value what, and the, the simple reading, which is put at your hand under value. my thigh. And I've actually shown this to my kids and I tell, I talk about this every year. I say to my kid, put your hand under my thigh. I'm sitting on his chin. I put your hand under my thigh. What you have to do is you have to get down below the person. You put your hand under the thigh. The thigh is warm. The thigh, and you know this also from first aid, if the thigh is, is, uh, has a puncture or something like that, you could lose all your blood. Oh, yeah. The thigh is, 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 a, is a fleshly part of your person and you put your hand under and it's your whole weight, your whole 
personage bears down on that person and he says, now I'm going to give you, I'm passing over to you something. It's not just in word. I'm giving you my heat, my personal personage. And now swear to me. Right, swear to me, exactly. You're swearing to the whole me right now. Well, it's reminiscent of a lot of the rituals of feudalism where where the oath was, was a binding oath mm-hmm. that always involved some physical act of binding through the hand or elsewhere. You know, it's an interesting point you're making. Right, and, and now what's going to happen is I've got an issue. There's, a, there's, a, you know, a, a biblical kind of language like issue forth from the loins. Like, I, I, I need you to be my emissary to find a bride who's gonna, f- who's gonna fulfill the, the, take the place of Sarah, uh, on that level. And you got to find a special bride and bring her back to to Yitzchak. Um, and and that's that's where that thigh comes in. It's like Abraham's really, he's really. It's all about continuity, yeah. And he's looking you in the eye and he's saying, like, yeah, give me that, help me with that continuity, be part of my body here. Mm -hmm. Um, Which may be why, of course, he's never given a name. It's only Evid Abraham. Right. He's the The servant servant of Abraham. Right. We only know that it's Eliezer, but but that's not the text. That's right. The text called him the servant. Uh, Interestingly enough, he also balks and reminds me of Moses. And he says, what if the girl won't go with me? Just like Moses said, what if the people won't go with me? Should I bring your son over there and, and have him rest, like move to uh, live in... Uh, and he, by the way, just can I ask you a question parenthetically? I always thought it was Haran, but then I read that it was Aram Naharaim. And I, I thought that, that, that his family was living in Haran. Haran's in Aram Naharaim. Aram Naharaim is the the upper end of of Mesopotamia, not the lower end where uh, he'd come from. That's my understanding. Oh, that's Urkazdim. Urkazdim is like where the Tigris and the Euphrates spread out. Oh, okay, okay, and, okay. And modern day Syria, right, where where their headwaters are much closer together. That's my understanding of where Am Naim right, is, because that's okay. the part that David conquered. Right. Okay. 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 Just checking. Okay. So 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 anyway, the, he 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 sends him. Uh, he sends this servant to to go and and fetch this lass. By the way, it's a very important piece I want to pull out of their go conversation ahead. there, which is that Avram says to him when when Eliezer, his his servant, kind of balks a little bit and says, well, "What if she won't come back?" Right. Avram says two things. He says, "God will send his angel." Yeah. And, and he says, "And if it doesn't work out, then you're you're clean from your oath." Right. Which is very interesting. Is that you see it? It's deep in Abraham's relationship with God is that he's he, this is not a mechanistic relationship with God right Abraham says listen I know this is what God wants I'm doing what God wants but the truth is it doesn't always work right so so therefore we're going to do what we can and I will set my parameters for you and as long as you do what you're supposed to do if it doesn't work listen that's that's right you're 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 clean right. it's a very important message I think for religious personalities yeah. who who have a tendency to think that like everything is laid out in front of them like I'm just doing God's will God's will is that you do you know, you know, you have to do what's right. right. You can't just do whatever you want. Right. But but don't mistake the obedience as the uh, as the only expression of uh, of religiosity. Abraham is the representative of the person who has a vision and is pursuing it. Well, I, I, so you're saying don't don't always expect obedience. Don't don't uh, lack they, into obedience, but also the other way, which is don't think God is obedient to you. Right. Right. Don't think like that oh he's I got it all figured out. Right. He's yeah. not going to do it like the way you want it to be done. You know. Yeah. It's, it, you do the best you can, right? And you, you work with what you get. Very good, very good. Okay, so that's that's a great point, um, and um, um, and he sends out the the this message this the servant, um, and he warns him don't but don't bring my son there. And we know that Yitzchak never left the land of Israel, 
he was kind of holy. He was a, a holy vessel, a holy it was uh, a complete offering, complete Old offering, Tamima. right? And he was not gonna. He's not supposed to leave the land of Israel. The servant takes these ten um, camels. I have neighbors like that that have ten camels. No, that. I've never left never left, left, left <laughs> oh. I may have neighbors have ten camels too, but we yeah, don't talk. You know so what? Much. You know what? I got a lot. I know people that never left the land of Israel, and you know what? I respect that. I respect that, and I really do. At the same time, I do think that we're living in a different time. Slightly, yeah. No, but I think no. I think I think that I think that today, first on the halachic level, one of the reasons you're not supposed to leave the land of Israel is because of the danger of the of the of the roads. Today that's different, but also I just I just have a feeling that we're coming into a time where the land of Israel is coming into itself, into what it's supposed to be, and so therefore, going out to the world from the land of Israel and and seeing the the sparks of the land of Israel in other places, of course, not to live there. <laughs> no, I mean, we also live in a time. Listen, we're speaking to people who aren't in the land right now. Right. right. I mean, the, you know better than anyone the power of broadcasting. I don't know. For me, I feel very grounded here, as we've had this discussion before. Uh, I mean, obviously, I've left many times, and because of family or other obligations, likely will leave again. But um, when I leave, I leave something behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and in many ways, it's the better part of myself at this point. And so I, I strive not to. I've recently, a couple of people reached out to me, asked if I would travel, come, do, and I said no. Wow. No, not doing it. That's interesting. That is an interesting thing. Um, what, what I was saying was really just, I'm, I'm touching on uh, the tip of the iceberg on just this thought that, that, that Israel has gone global right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And that globalism is, is a godly intervention in this world. This is important to remember that Yitzchak is only one archetype right. of, a, of a way of being. Right. Avram came from Chutz Arts, traveled. Yaakov, Yaakov is going to, sure. you know, so meaning if a person needs to know who they are, they might have that side of Yitzchak within them, but right, and 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 it is a beautiful thing, and 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 uh, there's also those American families who don't teach their kids English. Yeah, I've known a few of them. Yeah, yeah, doesn't play out well with the grandparents. No, no, uh, yeah. Nor with so, their further professional development, but that's a different issue. All right, so now, so now, um, there's this there's this famous line here, and the famous line is that the servant gets to the well and he turns to God and he says. He says, Hashem, the God of my of my my master Abraham, please make yourself known before me today. Do kindness with my master with Abraham. Uh, let me read this because I also think it's a kind of prayer that oh, yeah. one can pray. Vayomar, he said, Hashem, Elokei Adoni Avraham. Hashem, the God of my master Abraham. Hikare, hakre. Hakre na Please reveal yourself before me today. Yeah, it's a fantastic word. Maybe we'll touch on it. And do kindness with my master Abraham. Right? This word, hakre, to me is one of the most important words in this whole story. Maybe even in Breshit as a whole. Because it shares a root with mikre, which means what? Happenstance. Happenstance. Now, this is what Eliezer is saying. He's saying, look, the whole world is in God's hands. You can relate to everything that happens to you as a coincidence, or you can relate to it as an invitation, right? And he wants God to manifest in his own experience. It's, it's a fantastic invitation. Now, the, ra- the rabbis are, he goes on and he asks for a particular sign. He yeah. says, the girl that I'm going to bump into, and I'm going to say, 
uh, please water. Can give, I have some can, can I have a drink? Some water and She's going to say, here, go. I'll water your camels too. And then I'll that'll, know. And that'll be the one. That'll right. be the girl. And the rabbis are like, well, it's not. this wasn't exactly a proper request. Right. It sounds a little bit like magic. It sounds like work for me, God. Also divination. Meaning right. like, like the rabbis specifically label um, one of the forbidden Torah level prohibitions of saying like, oh, a black cat crossed my path. Then I can't go down that way or oh uh you know like meaning the the interpretation of circumstance right and yet and yet no matter how the sages interpret it as an improper they say improper yeah right questionable yeah but but that god did respond to it the torah will list it, it this st- these statements twice oh yeah it's twice and it's like a, the story i told at the beginning of the show about the book you know exactly you know it gave me a little wink a sign and but that's what i meant by invitation Meaning, in the end of the day, what did you do on the plane? You learned the Tila Shalom. Right. You learned some Torah. Like, right. of course God wants you. You know God wants you to do that. Sure, sure. <laughs> and here is an invitation, Yishai. You could have pulled anything out of that right. bag. You could have pulled this out of the bag and just said, oh, that's nice that that only weighed three pounds. Right. And shoved it in your carry-on and not take it out. You said, oh, I'm being called to attention here. Right. right? And, 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 and that's kind of what, what Eliezer is asking God to do. He's like, please see me. See, I'm on a mission from, notice he's not asking for himself. Exactly for on the behalf of Avraham. That's right. That's right. Okay, so indeed, he's going to be shocked that the very words that he asked for, the very request that he made, gets fulfilled before he's even finished be- speaking. Before he's finished speaking, <laughs> right? And it's exactly what he said. And and the Torah writes that he's a little shocked, a little, a little kind of he he, he in a sense dumbstruck. It's, dumbstruck. It's a little bit more. It's a little. It's like the old joke, you know, about the old joke. And you're, there's a guy driving around New York City says, "God, give me a parking spot. God, give me a parking spot. Please, God, I need a parking spot. I need a parking spot." And 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 the building that he's supposed to park next to, just as he's going around for the eleventh time, somebody pulls out right in front, and he's like, "No thanks, God. I, I found one myself." Oh. Right? Okay. No, but it's like this. It's like it's like the servant here is just like. Is it is it that easy? Is it really that real? And then we get introduced to one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible, really, in the whole Tanakh, is Rivka. I am absolutely one of her biggest fans, really. I'm in the Rivka fan club. fan club, okay? And you get to see her on an almost daily basis. Well, not quite. Right, she's in, uh, right, not, in a, right. The, uh, the, the limited access area. That's right. She's in the uh, walk-controlled side of the Tomb of the Patriarchs and Matriarchs. That's true. I'm a big fan of Rivka. I'm a big, big Rivka fan. Uh, and the thing about why I'm such a big fan about Rivka is that you have never met somebody who's every single time you meet her, every single phrase and every single moment that you've ever met her is the most decisive person in the whole Bible. Yes. Every phrase about her is decisive, as in the first one that we meet. Here she comes. She's coming out, and she's very beautiful, and, and she's never been with a man and all that, and he comes to her, and he, and he says, can I have some water? She says, drink my master and she hurries puts down her jar she she uh, gives him a drink gives him to drink and then uh, she says i'm going to now draw water for your for your um, uh, for your camels until they're done drinking so which is a lot of work it's a lot of work and she's ostensibly a little girl here but she's very 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 decisive uh, and then um, and when they ask her, "You want to go with this guy?" Oh, right. We're gonna get, right, exactly. Finally, they get they sit down at. Uh, he comes into the house. The servant. Yeah, another classic Middle Eastern moment. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Total Middle East. Yeah. They're sitting. They're eating. They're, they they he, they offer him to eat. They offer him to eat. He says, "I can't eat." 
Right. <laughs> I won't. I won't eat until I have to say what you I have to say. You know what I find one of the most powerful lines in that that whole moment is when he he just simply says, "I am the servant of Abraham." Right. Let's let's look at it inside. And yes. this is this is now we're also introduced to Lavan, the kind of trickster of the Bible, the the. Huckst- is that a right? Huckster or hucksterism? No, huckster is, is not what you're looking for. No, he, well, trickster. Uh, trickster. Okay, yeah. So he, um, uh, we meet him also, but let's let's pass that. Anyway, they they bring him into the house. The the servant, the man, came into the house. He parked the camels, right? Yeah. They give lagmalim. They give what to uh, eat. What to eat to the camels? They clean his feet. He's with an entourage, and they they clean off their feet. That's the the way they used to do it. They put food they lay out before the feast him, before him, before him, right? They lay out the feast. Vayomer, he says, Lo ochal, I shall not eat. Ad im dibarti devarai. I'm not going to speak until I, until I'm not going to eat until I speak my speakings. Vayomer. Speak. Speak. The bear. It's great. It's so real. It's yeah. so real. And, and even, says, even, even like the, you look at the trope, Vayomer. It's an etnachtha at the right. beginning of the puzzle. Vayomer. Right. Like, pause. Eved Abraham Anochi. That, that's the next verse, right? I am the servant of Abraham. I'm the servant of Abraham. That's what I am. That's right. Right. I, 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 and and that's that says a lot. That says a lot. I'm I'm here. I'm an I'm an emissary of this great man. I mean, it's also a very powerful image because, like you pointed out, here he is leading an entourage, ten camels, other people, and 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 he's saying, "I'm the servant of Abraham." Right. The image it creates of Abraham in that moment. It's huge. It's huge. It's, huge. it's like this guy's servant just showed up with an entourage. Right, and he's got all this. Stuff he's like giving away gold and right, you know, right. The first thing, master, right. The first thing that he does is he gives uh, Rivka, he gives her uh, jewels, jewels, necklace, nose ring, nose ring, and bracelets. But but the the real point there to me is is notice because next thing he says, I'm the servant of Abraham. What does he say next? And God has blessed my master, meaning Mm -hmm. Avram will he says, Avram is my master. Avram says. God, God is, my, is master. my master. So by the way Eliezer or the Evid Avram presents himself, he's truly elevating his God. Mm-hmm. And that's part of this whole power of this story here is that it's all about elevating God. It's often missed because it looks like this interaction between people, right? But, but the lower this servant places himself, he's bowing. He's, and at the end of this all, he, he, you know, like once he hears, not the end of it all, but once his interaction with Rivka, when he hears, he says, wait. What family are you from? And, and Rivka says, "Oh, I'm you know you know uh, you know the, the house of family." Yeah, he bows to the ground, right, right, just to show you the context. That this right. is for the glory of God. It's big stuff, and it's really we learn from here what it is to be an emissary, what it needs, what it means to be an emissary of 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 the of the founders. Um, in any case, he goes and recounts the whole story. Uh, with with slight slight variations, which the rabbis learn all kinds of stuff from. But uh, in general, he basically retells the whole story. One of the questions of the Torah is, why is there a retelling of the story? And maybe from there we learn a lesson, which is when you have a miracle happen to you, when you have when you have something to share with the world, tell the story. The story, it, the story melts away people's. Uh, had he said, "Well, Abraham sent me, and now I'm looking for a wife." Well. People are like, like, well, I don't know. Who are you? This is really worthwhile. Let's talk and negotiate. Right. This way he tells them a story. And this is what we we were talking right before the show. And you said, I'm a storyteller. You, Rabbi Mike, said that. So I'm saying like, look, what Eliezer or the servant does here is storytelling. 
he had a story happen to him, but one of the things that we learn is he told the story. And not only that, but what's the reaction in the end? If you look in looking now in, in chapter twenty four, um, line fifty. Mm-hmm. Right? After hearing this whole story, answer him. This comes from God. We can't say anything good or bad. Meaning, bad or good. Bad or good, right? right. Like, meaning we would have. Right. We would have totally gone in there and gotten the most out of this we could have. And maybe we'd have kicked you right out the door because you look a little sketchy. But now that you've pulled us into this tale. Right. Like, well, what are we supposed right. to do? We're just, we're just characters. Uh, to me, this teaches us a mitzvah. The mitzvah is to tell the story. Always. The mitzvah is to tell a story. The mitzvah yeah. is to tell, to, to, to tell the, the story of Am Yisrael. Uh, in any case, they say to him, as you just said, like, well, it's from God. Here, take Rivka, kach velech. Take her and go away. We, we, we had the same phrase by, uh, uh, by I think, Paro with, with Sarah. Kach velech, take her and go. And may she become a wife to your the son of your servant, as God has spoken. And again, like you pointed out, now that uh, he heard this, he bows down. He takes out all kinds of gifts, gives he, everybody he gifts. He bows down to God. He, he bows down to God. Remember, right. in this context, bowing to them would have been totally reasonable as well. But it's very important that he bows to God in this moment. That's interesting because by in the very same Torah portion, Avram is going to bow down to the people. Yes. Right. There's a lot of yeah. bowing, but it's, it's like you see, it's, it's, it is a social custom. We, we today as Jews have bowing issues, um, right. you know, uh, for good reasons. But here, I think that's why it's so powerful is that he's an avid. For him to bow to the human master is built into who he is. But the only person he bows to in this whole story is to God mm-hmm. at each stage. Okay, but, but, they, but they are tricksters. So even though uh, everything is great... Um, and and we've we've already noticed that before they they set down the food, he's like, I don't want anything to delay me. I want to speak what I, I got. I came here on a mission, not and my mission is not to eat and to enjoy myself. Here's my mission. Okay, so so afterwards, when it's time to go, they said that her her brother and her mother said maybe the girl should sit with us uh, a few days or 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 ten months. It depends what the word asor in this case means. Maybe a day or 10 days or maybe 10 months. And then she'll go like, don't rush this. I mean, come on, we're saying we goodbye. We just got engaged. Yeah, we're, you're saying goodbye to her. You're taking, you're taking our daughter, our sister. And he says, don't delay me. Hashem is going to succeed my way. Hitzliach also means make it go quickly. Right. Um, send me and I'll go to my master. And then they say, well, let's call the girl and ask her. Right? Figuring... That she's, she's not going to be so eager to go right. running off somewhere she's never been with some guy she's never met, you know. Right. She's on their side. So they call Rivka. They, they, they called her and they said to her, Are you going to go with this man? This guy. Oh, yeah, but yeah, right, exactly. Like with this weirdo, with right. this stranger. Are you Showed up go out of nowhere. Vatomer elech. That's her line. She says, she says, I'll go. Yep. That's it. One word, man. She's out. Yep. Rivka, one word. She's out of there. Yep, her whole life. Her whole right. Um, it's not yes and this and that and all hug and the, yeah. bye. bye. <laughs> I love one, that. One thinks it might not have actually been so cozy for her there, since she was out drawing water for the camels. But yeah, it could be. But whatever it could is, could be much better off with the rich guys. She is son. out of there. Okay, so they send her. Listen, listen to this. The the tour is so funny here because it says they sent her. And they, she also took with her the famous nursemaid. Uh, 
and they sent out her and the the nursemaid and the servant of Abraham and his people. And they now they, I'll get back to this in a second. But the next verse says, and they blessed Rivka and they said to her, "That's a good one." Our sister, Achoteno Atii Lealferevava, be uh, thousands and tens of thousands, tens of thousands, myriads, right? Be myriads. And may your seed inherit the gate of its enemies. Which is a direct echo of the blessing that God gave right. to Avram at the end of the Akedah. Right, but it's the, there is a difference. The difference over there, it says, so, right. I think I mentioned this a few years ago to you, that if you think about it, who is the seed of Abraham? It's Yitzchak. Mm-hmm. But the other competitor for that is Ishmael. Ishmael. Okay, and and here, it's who's the seed of Rivka? Well, she's got two kids. Yaakov. Yaakov. And Esav. Esav. Now, we, we know that Esav, Esav, Yaakov. Right? So, so she, he's saying, your real seed should defeat his hater, Esav. And by, by Avraham, it was like Yitzchak should be able to defeat Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you understand that there's a difference between Oyev and Asone. Sure. Asone is a deep hater. But Oyev is an enemy, which is not necessarily the deepest hate. It's just no, because once you resolve what the competition is, you might actually be able to live peaceably. Right. Okay, very good. Um, now, um, oh, he, so, so, so I said before, they sent her out, but then it says, the verse says, verse 61, we're in, we're in Genesis 24, 61, Chai Sarah, it says, Rivka and her and her uh, handmaidens mm-hmm. got up and rode on the camels. That's the first part of the verse. Like these girls, they jumped up. They jumped up on the camels. They're, they're going. They're riding. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's roll, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then it says, and they walked after the man. And then it says, and he and the servant took Rivka. He's like, all right, we're, I'm going with her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, we're going, we're going now. now. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I tell you, I tell you, Rivka, Mama, she's the most amazing person. She's just so gutsy, so gutsy, and the Torah like hints you all the time, and that she is just, you know, knows exactly where she's going. Anyway, the next thing we learn is that Yitzchak is meditating in the field. Rabbis tell us this is the afternoon prayer. What is the sadeh? Could it be the sadeh of Ephron? The sadeh of Marat Machpelah? Could it be there? Or it could be some other field, but the point could is, this could be the Temple Mount. Could be the Temple Mount, and he's praying on the field. He is praying on the on, on the field before it says before evening, and he lifts up his eyes and he sees camels are approaching. By the way, camels are big players in this whole Torah portion. Yes, they keep on the, the camels are are, are, are a thing. Uh, and guess who else raised her eyes? It's Rivka. She raises her eyes, and she saw Yitzchak. And then, very famously, and maybe very beautifully, v'tipol mi'al hagamal. She falls from atop the camel. Which is a big drop. It's a big, it's, I, if anybody's been on a camel, you do not want to fall off a camel. And, um, and um, so, so maybe, maybe ostensibly this means that she's shocked by his, by his countenance. countenance, right? Biblical. She, she's, she's awed by it. It's like, whoa. That guy, that is something. But I, I, my, I have a different shot, if if I may. The tipol is also from the lashon tefillah. We know that there's a medrash that they prayed at opposite side of the rooms, and it says right beforehand that he was in the field praying. Right. So the tipol malgamal, she saw him, 
And she started praying. You know, have you ever seen those, um, uh, I'm using the term harmonic resonance, resonance. Do you know, do you know? A tuning uh, fork, like a pitch tuning fork? Fork. You know tuning fork. Tuning fork, yeah. You know that like you play a piano, you hit the note on the piano and you have the, and that note. It starts to vibrate. Yeah. That's what I think Yitzchak and Rivka are like. Oh, that's a beautiful she, name. She just sees him praying and it's like, she mm-hmm. just, she's right on key with him. She's right on key with him. She just sees him. They see, and look at it. They see each other. He raises eyes. He sees her. She raises eyes. He sees him. And they're like, they're already in. There's something amazingly locked into one another uh, f- from this distance. Uh, and she says to um, she says uh, to the servant, who is this person? The very weird word is halazeh. And I think I heard that the gra. I don't know how he gets rid of the two hays on either side of that, but the Lamed Zion in the middle is 37. That's how old Yitzchak was at the Akedah. Anyway, uh, I don't remember exactly what, what that Torah is. If somebody remembers, please write to me. Um, anyway, she, he says, she says, who is that man? Who was that masked man? Yes. <laughs> He's like, that's, that's, that's the dude. And she covers her face uh, to, uh, to be um, modest. Modest. <laughs> Then we have, then they, basically the servant meets Yitzchak. He tells them the whole story again. Okay. It wasn't going to be a third time. spared us. Right. Like, but, but it does say that he told them. But it does them. note that he does tell them the yeah. story for sure. He, but like, like, it's very important because like you said, because what he's doing, he's binding all the pieces together through right. the story. Everybody's yeah. in one story here. That's great stuff. That's yep. great stuff. And, yep. and look at the word. It doesn't say Vayomer Ha'eved. No. It's it's a a pair. He told them the tale. He told them the tale of what right. happened. Lest you think that this is disconnected. Right. Beautiful, and uh, so then one of the probably probably in one verse the other than stuff in the Song of Songs, this is probably the most romantic verse in the whole Torah. That's my guess. It says in verse sixty-seven, sara imo. He brings her. Isaac brings her into the tent of Sarah, his mother. Veikach et Rivka. He took Rivka. She became to him a wife, and he loved her. And he was consoled after his mother or the loss of his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is just. <laughs> there, I mean, there's so much in that verse. Go ahead, go no, ahead. You have, you have, but I don't know where to where to begin with it. I, well, like, give us one thing. Um, I think that that uh, for me, the word nachem is always a very powerful key in opening up the inner experience of of whoever it's referring to because so the word we spoke about it before I mean it's used to mean comfort like he was consoled but it also is used to mean regret right that's its first appearance actually and and the reason that you could use the same word to mean the two is because it actually means to change your perspective on something which has already happened mm-hmm. is that I mean, Yitzchak is feeling this tremendous loss of of the woman in his life of Sarah his mother um, and he doesn't know what to do he doesn't know how to to, again, to put that into one story of his life, when he meets Rivka, he realizes, wow, that 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 this is who I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And the very love that he had for Sarah prepared him to be able to love Rivka in, in a way that would be healthy and real, right? And, and it's not that Sarah had to die in order for him to, be, to love Rivka. That's not what I'm saying. It's just the reality is that Sarah was gone and he felt this tremendous ability to to love and didn't know where to put it and now he realized ah right you know like god hasn't left me bereft and this whole this whole torah portion is is about this Mm -hmm. and and, you know maybe he felt a little bit of guilt maybe he also didn't see his mother passing away he didn't get to say goodbye 
No, yeah, no. There's a lot of issues. There's <laughs> a lot family. of issues, but but, <laughs> at, but 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 at the same time, like that the Torah that to me the whole and and, and I'm going to add one more layer to this in a second, but that the whole story of of Chai Sara and this Marat Machpelah, the whole story of this purchase of this place to bury the family, and it's in couples, and then really it's the place you know, and and it's we're burying Sarah. Here comes Rivka. And, and and there's love there and, and there's continuity. It's it's I'll add to that it's also a place of family reconciliation. Mm-hmm. We know that Yishmael oh, comes I was just I was gonna get that exactly. I was exactly gonna get to that point, which is and I, I do this on the tour and I, I know that I didn't have a chance to tour the folks uh, of Pardes recently in Chevron. Yeah, I was I was and I was sad about that. But one of the things that I'm always stressing is this is actually a place of, as you said, reconciliation and love. Not just the love of the founding couples, but also here's verse um, at the uh, towards the end of the Torah portion, uh, chapter twenty-five, verse uh, uh, eight. It says, "Vayikva vayamat Avram." Avram passed away, beseva tova, in a good age, zaken v'saver. He was uh, old and satiated. Yeah, yeah, and and that's very that's very doubting. You got to Yeah. One of my favorite verses in the whole Tao Te Ching, which is something that really guides me. And I tell you, the Tao Te Ching is the only, it's like, it's like my favorite book outside of the Torah books. It's very, very wise in my opinion. Um, and and it, uh, it just has this one verse, which is like a person should die like a, like a farmer coming home after a hard day's work satisfied and goes to sleep. But it says That's, it in like one-tenth of the words I just said it. Right. But it's like... It's like That's a beautiful image. Yeah, it is. He's just like... You should be. You should have worked hard, and you just go to sleep being like that was a good long day. Good. Do I get and a beer first? <laughs> you can get a beer. Sake. Okay. Panzai. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Oh, you're sorry. Out of hell for that. Sorry one. that I know everything about Japan from. Uh, from oh, that was from China. From the Karate Kid. From Karate Kid. Sorry <laughs> yes. about that. Um, even though that was that was China. Yeah. Okay. So you go there. <laughs> that's all right. Um, uh, so, so then, okay, so then he passes away. Fine. Here's the next great verse, which we were just about to get to. And they be, now, now the Torah lays out a few times in different ways that Yishmael is not on the level of Yitzchak, that he's the son of the concubine, and it like really makes it darn clear. It's, or kicks him out. Right. It's ben Amazo, right. Kicks him out, but also little things. If you noticed, if you notice in this week's Torah portion, where is Yitzchak hanging out? He's hanging out in Be'er L'chairo'i, yep. which is where Yishmael went. It's obvious that he's not totally, Ishmael is not out, 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 out. Nope. He's separated well, Especially out. now that Sarah's gone. Right, right. Um, in any case, what what happens that Yitzchak and Ishmael, his sons, the Torah will say, buries they bury together Abraham to the Marat Machpelah, to the field of Ephron, which is where which is on the on the face of Mamre, which is today's called Jabal Nimra, which uh, the mountain of Nimra, uh, and that is the field which Abraham bought from the Hittites, uh, and there was buried Kubar, were buried Avraham and Sarah Ishtar Avraham and his wife Sarah. So, uh, and then he continues, by the way, Yitzchak continues to live in Be'er L'chairo'i, obviously with Ishmael in, 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 in some family, relationship. Yeah, some family unit here. Okay, so, so, so that, that's, what, that's how the, that part of the Torah portion ends. Then there's one more part, which is the life of Ishmael uh, and his family, 12 being the kind of princesses that issue forth from him. Princes. Princes. Princes, okay, right? Uh, the, and, and, uh, and cryptically, 
at the very end it says apne kolakhav nafal he fell upon yeah, it's, it's it's a cryptic phrase but it is also a negative phrase no doubt about it. it it's it's saying something to you about ishmael and how he ended and he ends in a fall of 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 sorts that's how the torah ends that it's a, it's a it's a cryptic statement and rashi adds that after after abraham the influence of abraham was gone he fell off the path he was not in good shape he needed that that guiding hand and he was not the continuation of uh, uh, of the Abrahamic tradition without Abraham's presence. But in any case, uh, uh, an amazing Torah portion, I think really, really filled with love. And if you take the, the and I, I learned something from a rabbi, Klatsko. Klatsko. He was very, he's a very, very powerful rabbi. And I heard him give a speech to Russian Jews. And his, he gave this whole schmooze that he said, like, what's the holiest land in the world, land of Israel, what's the holiest city, Jerusalem, what's the holiest place, the temple, what's the holiest place within the temple, the, the Holy of Holies. He's like, now take a needle, put it right through the middle of the Holy of Holies. What do you find? The two cherubs that are facing one another. He's like, the center of the Jewish world is love. It was good. It was good. And, and, and here at this, at the, at the, at the um, count, counter, not counter, like the other pole, polarity of Jerusalem, Hebron, Again, the heart of it all really is this relationship and love. It's the base. Because from here on out, this story is going to um, so go in many directions, right? It, and, and we're going to see that the, today we live in a world of narrative warfare. It really began with the Christians and their claim to be us back you know, at their origins, etc. But, but to go back to your theme about this, the story here is that love is a binding force. And, and here it's being put forward as the binding force to assert that there's only one story. In many ways, that's the task of Am Yisrael, especially today, to just teach them there's only one story. The, the uniqueness of the Jews is that we don't need a homogenous story. We don't need everyone to, to be like us. We don't need everyone to tell our story. No, no, no. We're, the richness of the story is in the diversity of its voices and its characters, but don't go too far with that. Because you've got to understand there's actually only one story happening here, and it's, and, and it's the love for both the teller of that story and for the sort of characters that walk within it that binds them all together. Right. And we have a mitzvah, folks. We have a mitzvah to tell that story. And I think we're fulfilling that story here on the show today. And I think, I think that the mitzvah of listening to this show today is to be able to tell that story onwards. And share it with other people. Share, share, share the story. Yeah, let's, let's appear. Tell that, tell that story. All right. You are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show. And we are going to also be telling that story this Shabbat with uh, the ingathering of 40,000 people. Al favor of a vote. Al favor of a vote to Marat Machpelah. And, and, and I tell you, there are few things in this world that are as powerful as reading this Torah portion in that field. That is an awesome thing. Really, it really is an awesome, awesome thing. When you, when you have that old parchment with its ancient words and the deepest of truths in that piece of land with the people, of today, reading it and looking up to God, right? When that, when that, when that kind of... Comes together. Right, when it all comes together and, and goes through uh, from top to bottom, from bottom to top, it's, it's a super powerful thing. And it's not a coincidence also that we're going to have about a tenth of the Knesset is going to be uh, in Hebron uh, with us over Shabbat. And really, where are they staying? They, we, we give them what I would call quote-unquote VIP, Mm-hmm. Okay, it's quote unquote VIP because I mean, there's actually a bed and a toilet, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're not sharing it with every, you know, yeah, yeah. with more than five or six people. So, um, 
we 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 uh, we accommodate people, uh, and uh, and it's a it's a big effort of hospitality. That's one of our toughest efforts, <clears throat> but it's a beautiful thing, and um, and it's going to be a looks like it's going to be a, a cool and sunny day on Shabbat morning to read that Torah portion out there, and uh, I'm I'm very excited. And I'm very excited to share that love with you, and I want you to be able to join us. So come visit us in Hebron by uh, checking out hebronfund.org and come on our, uh, one of our weekly tours, which are just uh, very powerful. And yeah, I, I don't know. There's like, it's beyond words. That's the yeah. truth. It's a little bit beyond words. But it, there, it's not beyond words because we told the story today, and we're going to keep telling that story. And, and, there's a, and there's a place that grounds it. There's a place that grounds it. And then there's a next, next week's Torah portion, and it's the next part of the story. The story goes on. Okay, Rabbi Mike Ford, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to see you again. Yeah, welcome back. You had a little bit of a cold, I heard. Yes, a little bit. So let's say Rifuash Lema to Rabbi Mike Ford. I'm in, I'm in. What's our, what's our full name here? Uh, Michal Mordechai Ben Blumasara. Michal Mordechai Ben Blumasara, Rifuash Lema. Do not slip into any pneumonia or anything like that, God forbid, right? So everybody, come on, let's put out, put out a... Look up, look up to God and say, uh, give Rabbi Mike a, a full recovery. And Bezrat Hashem, uh, we will recover from Shabbat. And we'll see you uh, next week. Bezrat Hashem. All right, Shabbat Shalom. All right, folks, stay tuned. Thanks, Rabbi Mike, for which can be reached at Rav Mike at thelandofisrael.com or jewishstory.co or facebook.com forward slash Rav Mike. Uh, I can be reached at Yishai, Yishai at thelandofisrael.com, Yishai, Yishai at thelandofisrael.com, Yishai at Yishai Oh my gosh, I forget it. You know, whatever. If you can't find me, then then you got to. Then you don't know how to do the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to. And let's stay tuned. I hope that we'll get a little bit of Malka Fleischer for just a few minutes uh, to get that feminine side of of, uh, of this great story. God bless you, folks. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. We'll be right back with more. And shalom. This week on Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston, an interview with Oren Hasson of the Lone Soldier Center in memory of Michael Levine, helping immigrant soldiers and those without families. During their service, when they come home from base and they have nobody to talk to, they have us. It's amazing to be able to connect the Marines from the U.S. and the IDF soldiers to come together on an event like this. For the full show, download Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. All right, folks, you are listening to the Yishai Fleischer Show, and we are back here with Malka Fleischer, broadcasting live from Judea. Shalom, Malka. Shalom, Yishai. And Parshat Chai Sarah, Malka. Chai Sarah. We got Sarah Imenu. We're going down to Hebron. We're going to go hang out. I bought a bunch of uh, little black seeds, you know, the sunflower seeds. Yes. I like to put them in little plastic bags, and then I hand them out to the soldiers. Right. I used to buy Crembo. Yeah, but you stopped doing that. You know, the, uh, the marshmallow with the cookie, and then it's all covered in chocolate. I stopped doing that because of two reasons. One is because, well, three reasons. One is because it's bulky. Two is because it's kind of expensive. But three, I thought to myself, why would I take this Jewish soldier who I need to be like healthy and strong and be able to concentrate and give him this like pretty non- Soldiery. nutritionally value right. thing. If you would like, for example, make some beef jerky or biltong. Do you, can I tell you a little story? Okay. One time, see, when I grew up, um, I grew up in Texas and in Texas, children have one year of Texas history class. Like Texas history 
I think it was, I want to say it was Texas the eighth Art grade. Appreciation. It was the eighth grade. Texas math. No. Let's you can say, make fun all you want. Hey, you know what? <laughs> you can make You can make fun all you want. Did you have a year of New Jersey history? I have no idea. So in the face, okay, Yishai? I, no I had a year in you can make fun all you want of Texas math and Texas. I think you're Texas a little oversensitive. Art. I like Texas, but it's what kind I'm of funny to me that is Texas that we, is very But the, it has a rich yes, history yes. and culture and yes. for one entire year you know, you have American history, you have world history, you have European history. These are different years possibly in and school. And you had a whole year so of So I Texas had a year history. of Texas history. Okay. In Texas history class, as part of the class, we had to make an item that was like a prairie. I haven't been to Texas in too long. Yeah, we need to I, go I back. Feel, I feel in it. Wait, I got to tell you my story. Go. So we had to make a project where we make an item that is like a prairie. I forget what we were what we were studying specifically, but it was like early Texas history and we had to make something that was like a like a something that would have been traded or that people would have liked like maize uh, on the prairie. So nobody made maize, but people like had to make different things and it was part of it was like a thing that was graded. Mm-hmm. Now, all the things that I ever did in school that were like projects quote unquote that were like a big deal type thing my parents always got really super involved did you ever have that sure like when i was in science class so my parents like forced me to do these like whatever science project it is that they wanted to do did Funny, you have my that? parents are both scientists <laughs> and they did not get involved in my science what? projects they're like and i remember I, they helped me i'll never forget my science project about gum i studied gum yeah and I made gum. They, my wow. mom got me gum base and flavor and cool. all kind of stuff. And I did fine at that. But when my parents got involved, was in the Tanakh. Oh, that's interesting. And Why? They, what do you mean they got involved? I'll never, I'll never forget this. My dad got the glint in his eye, and they made Gilgal. What? The, they had listen to this, Maka. Maka. <laughs> he took a frame. What did you like? What mom, did you do mom, this whole time? <laughs> he took a large gold frame of a picture. Wow. He made a base to it. Yeah. Then he poured sand and glue on it wow then he made a mountain in the middle then in the mountain he took clear like quartz rocks at the top 12 of them wow. then he put then and he put like Did a you black have anything to do with i was this? like can i can i help no no get <laughs> get away wait amaka he put a light bulb yeah. with a switch wow okay and at the end this thing was and, and you saw all the soldiers the, the people were all around the mountain <laughs> you turn a button the 12 rocks lit up wow i didn't do that well <laughs> Because everybody was like, this is something your parents made. <laughs> that's, that's what it was like. <laughs> it was a beautiful. It was, Wait, it you was, didn't get an A? No. Get out of town. It was like, it was the kind of thing where your it was like. Your dad didn't get an A? It was like award winning and yet it was just like. It was it, too much? It, it, yeah, it was, it was like a different level and it was just kind of obvious. <laughs> you know, people were, you know, I was selling tickets. I made money for people to see it, but like I didn't, it wasn't like a, you know. So, okay. That was a funny story. Yeah. So, so my story is that we had to make something. At the time, uh, there was, it was the perfect storm, basically. This, this project happened at the same time as my father had gotten a food dehydrator. Right. And he made, honestly, now I didn't grow up eating kosher, okay? So I don't know if it would be the same. But he made the most incredible beef jerky. Really good. 
really, really good. Mm-hmm. So he was like, okay, I went home and I told him about this project. He's like, okay, I didn't touch one piece of meat. I right. don't, I didn't flavor it. I did nothing. Okay. My father made this beef jerky. I can still, if I concentrate in my mind, I can still taste it. It was really good. He used liquid smoke and Worcestershire sauce and all this stuff. Anyway, what was going to happen in the class is that everyone makes something and then you could trade amongst yourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's like also part of the project is that they see the project, you get a grade and then you can like trade for different things. So I brought in like my dad being my dad made a huge bag of beef jerky, like enough for everybody. Right. In yeah. my whole class. Um, one girl, I remember this made lye soap real soap made out of tallow made out of like fat of animals she was in like the 4-h club and Mm -hmm. she was into agriculture and she made her own soap and that was not up for um barter she had to like take home the lye soap there was something like she needed it maybe for 4-h competition i Mm -hmm. don't know what it was Mm -hmm. but we couldn't trade for the soap but everyone else like people made um like dolls out of like cotton fluff and stuff like that. So I ended up with everybody's project. I got everybody's project. Because everybody because wanted. Because they wanted the beef jerky. Right. That's my story. That's a good story. If you made if you made Mahadran beef Wait, jerky. Wait, how do we start this cause discussion? Because you don't want to walk around giving crembles to the soldiers right. of Chevron. You want to give them seeds. By the way, speaking of Texas, here's my chidon. Uh, Oh, your riddle? My riddle. Yeah. What is found in the basement of the Alamo? Okay? If you can get this, we will send you something. Okay, Uh, Maka? First person to get it. Okay, first three people to get it. What is found in the basement of the Alamo? What are we going to send them? I don't know. Some Some kind of knickknack. Some sunflower seeds. There you go. Anyway, so I take sunflower seeds to Chevron now. Because right. I figure it's like sunflower seeds do have nutritional value. There's like minerals in there and, yeah. you know, it's a plant-based thing. And and then yeah. you can like, you yeah. like bite them. You put them in your pocket. They're like something fun to do. They're yeah. not, you, you know, keep it's a not seed bad cup for you. For, I, the seed cup has been empty in the I, house. Yeah, I have to refill the seed I cup li- for you. Yeah, I like Each it. When seed cup. That's like when I get nervous, I walk into yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, I walk into the kitchen, eat some seeds. <laughs> I, it's like a, my aunt who lives in New Jersey, she has birds. She keeps birds for as long as I've known her, I think. And you know how the sound of birds, have you ever been around somebody yeah. who, so it's like you hear them like, and like, you know, nosing through their seeds and then they find one and they're like, yeah. and they crack it open. That, I live with that. That's me. That's, That's you. Um, I'm very excited for Prashul Chai Sarah. And I mentioned on the last hour that what a quinky dink it is that on the very Torah portion that we talk about the rights of the Jewish people in the land of Israel as rights that are human rights based on the purchase, not to mention godly rights. Uh, that's the very week where there's a recognition that we have legal rights to the land of Israel with the Trump administration uh, basically de-illegalizing, if I should, if, 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 to be accurate, de-illegalizing. De-illegalizing. Yeah. Say, they didn't say that settlements are legal, right, but they said but they're, they're like not illegal. illegal. Right. So it's not illegal, and two negatives make positive. Yes. Okay, so that's that's really cool. I'm really excited for for Shabbat. Um, speaking of negatives, yeah, uh, you you have really uh, entered into the Twitter sphere. Yeah, and this, there's this one lady on Twitter whose name is Ariel Gold. She's one of the co-founders of Code Pink. I think I met her one time. Really? 
There was a big code pink person in Hebron. I think it was her. What? It Why? She like, hasn't been admitted to Israel in It was like time. two years ago. I think it's even, it could I be, don't know. It could have been another person, but it was a wild code she's pink like, person. She's one of the people who has like clashed with this law in which Israel can deny entry to like pro-BDS, yeah. anti-Israel people. Right. She's not allowed into Israel. So she just, uh, 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 David Wilder, the previous spokesman, of, of the Jewish community of Hebron, uh, who I uh, have the great honor of trying to fill his position. Right. Uh, he just tweeted a beautiful picture with the Torah portion. Yeah, overlaid. that was he pretty. Picked, I saw and that And she too. wrote, she wrote, go away, racist settler, something sick. like that. What a sicko. She's, a, she's not a nice gal sometimes. At the same time, she's a kind of, is there something like a, a frenemy, but like a sick frenemy, you know? She's not a, she's not a frenemy. It's really a relationship of convenience <laughs> for for both of us. So I don't know if any of you here, a lot, the truth is I know that a lot of our listeners are on Twitter um, because every once in a while I see people like send me hashtags from the show. You know, you say hashtag this right. or that. So they, they send it to me. Um, but she's on Twitter and she, I remember when she was at like 4,000, uh, followers and now she's at like 15,000 I don't know something big she's like she's grown really big yeah as like a as like an a seriously anti-Israel person who is ostensibly according to her claims also Jewish and I think who Loves did she Hanukkah say Hanukkah yeah stuff, and she's, she's but then goes to Iran oh my gosh and, and, and supports she's the like and she calls and settlers like racist pigs and like like all these things she's I don't know if she used the word pig no but she's like she just has the worst things to say always about Jews who are not just that about Israel in general right she she's very I mean and very vociferous and angry in her like hatred toward Israel but with a ability to laugh meaning to say she it's not like a, it's not like a a lot of f-bombs and th stuff like that like she she does it with well, with a certain with okay a certain, okay well, well, let me she say i mean she she minimally sort of pretends to use a lot of like lols and little laugh cry emojis and stuff like that but in in real like in theory she and i would have blocked each other a long time ago Right. She does not want to hear what I have to say. Right. I really don't want to hear what she has to say. But there's a certain interesting way in which both of us are able to play off of each other and sort of achieve the goals of putting our message out through each other in a way that makes neither of us want to block the other one. Right. So by the I, way, by the way, yeah. I don't block people mo unless unless they're like a real hater. Most of the time, I just mute them. I just mute the people. Like I don't. Right. I, I, I don't I, really I, block people so much either, unless they're very very. Uh, people that are really really aggressive mean and not fun. I yeah. Just, but I just mute them. I just. I don't know. I, I just like. Well, sometimes I think to myself like I just don't want like I don't need you and right. bye bye. But sometimes it's like Jewish people or whatever it is uh, that you are think not to yourself. I'm maybe like, I, I maybe they'll see something. And good. I don't. I also don't want to give them the he blocked me. He blocked me. He can't take my message. I'm just like more like talk to the hand. Keep talking. I just can't hear you. You're like a monkey in the zoo. Go ahead. Keep talking. But I just don't hear you. So I just mute people. Hmm. <laughs> that's interesting. The, that's my. So today I had this weird experience on Twitter where. I oftentimes like make little comments to the insane things that Ariel Gold has to say. 
So today she all the, out of nowhere, she retweeted one of my littlest responses to her. And she was like, Malka is possibly my biggest troll. And she like uses me to like to, 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 to show how own. to go her own relevance or right. something like that. To be more relevant. Right. So I thought that was funny. Right. Because like of all people in the conversation about Israel. If one of us is relevant and the other is not, I would be the relevant one and she would not. Right. She lives in America. She has nothing to do with us. In theory, okay. I would be the relevant okay, one. Okay, but she can argue. She can argue. You're, you're, uh, you know. She can argue that she's uh, talking what American Jews want to hear. Whatever it is, that's just absolutely not true. Look, she's in the if not now crowd in the M- M- J Street crowd. There's a lot of people. Uh, the she's peace not now crowd. Even. The, she's like f- she's beyond those people. I know, but but she. That's the thing about extremists is that they actually pull the center towards them. And that's her, in a sense, she's successful like that. In any case, you retweeted, you you saw that tweet where she called you her number right, one, one lo- troll. True number one troll. And I was like, I can't believe I've won. It's such an honor. You wrote and this I like in made a, a joke because I thought, I just thought it was funny. Anyway. Wait, your tweet said something like, like it's such an honor. I was, I, I'm just an honor to be nominated. I want to thank my husband, Ishai. <laughs> And you wrote this whole funny... Yeah, I wrote like a funny reply just because it was like so silly that uh, she thinks I'm her number one, like I'm her troll, whatever. It set off like nine hours worth of conversations and replies and likes and shares of this tweet and whole conversations amongst dozens and dozens of people. Right. And I got like, uh, like, I don't know, seventy new followers today, right? Which is ironic, right? And kind yeah. of funny because she, in theory, wants to totally repress my my message and anything, and me probably personally. But she really helped me today. <laughs> Thanks, Ariel Gold, Thanks, for Ariel making Gold. us more relevant. Yeah, she really helped me become more relevant today. That's right. Thank you, Ariel Gold. I made a joke, but nobody thought it was funny at all. Your joke was Your like... Goal, because my joke was simple. Your joke was complex. Well, she she was... She so was, people had to like read and think, but they didn't have time Well, for she was shopping around for Hanukkah stuff. Uh, she was in Target, and then she saw like this Hanukkah mousse, which, by the way, if I'm going to... Why a Hanukkah mousse, by the way? Because it's got the horns, and oh, the horns have a menorah on them. That's cute. Yeah, when I'm if if I'm in America, I would like I'm, a Hanukkah mousse now. Yeah, now Hanukkah mousse converted. Hashtag Hanukkah mousse, everybody. Okay, Hanukkah mousse. If you if you heard the show, all you have to do is send hashtag Hanukkah mousse, and we'll know. You'll know. We'll all be in it. <laughs> I wrote so she's like, I don't know what. And what does that make me if I'm thinking about Hanukkah? I'm already thinking about almost bought this Hanukkah mousse, and I'm like, you love Hanukkah. And this is a very, 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 very strongly left person, like ultra, ultra, ultra left. And I'm like, you love Hanukkah because you appreciate that the Jews were intolerant to the Greco-Roman lifestyle and the the, the Maccabees defeated the Greco-Roman lifestyle and also evicted our enemies from the land. Yeah, which, yeah which, <laughs> which was obviously not true. Which is, I mean, no, but the point that I was trying to make, which is I could see how not funny was, but I think it was it was at least, uh, you know, like at least um, 
something to be to be surprised about, which is like here's a person who is deeply committed to being anti-Israel, yet loves Hanukkah. But what is Hanukkah? P.S. In parentheses, I'm so excited for Hanukkah. Are you? Ah, true, true, true. Ah, I love Hanukkah true, true, so true. much. It's really my like my number two <gasps> holiday. Yeah, yeah. When did that start? Wasn't always uh, it started, like that. Yeah, it started like two, three years ago, and I started feeling more and more like every. You know what it was? I was we're, we're like the Hanukkah candles, and I would feel these like tears well up. Wow! And every year, you know those songs. Oh yeah, which one? Stuff. Which yeah, is the one? Y- you know, light one candle oh, for the Maccabee children. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Never had time. Oh my gosh! Wait, little yeah. story. One time, when Yishai and I were seeing each other, he came over and he played a disc in my disc player. And then he's like, oh, I got to change the disc. Now, my parents had bought me one time for Hanukkah. They bought me a 10-disc CD player, which was totally, totally awesome with a great two-tape tape deck. Yeah, still works. It's awesome. God bless that thing. Yep. Anyway, so you went to change it, and a CD came out, and it was Peter, Paul, and Mary's, like, holiday classics or something. Right. And with, like... And I think you might have pressed play or something. Now, on this disc of Peter, Paul, and Mary songs, it's like a ton of Christmas songs, right. which I don't listen to. I skip through. Right. And I go to the, they have a couple, two Hanukkah two songs, songs, which yeah. are amazing. Yes. So you play this thing and it's like some Christmas song and you turn to me in like slow motion <laughs> and you're like, what is this? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Like what is this? <laughs> that song. I had to, you. I think you thought that I was some kind of right, missionary right, there for a right. second, but I was not. What is the memory that values value so, so highly? Do you guys know this song, everybody on, out there? Ex- no, I'm not singing just it. Give me the words that we keep alive with that flame. That we keep alive with that flame. What is the? Come on! Why do you keep pointing at me? Come you on, love this song me. so much. What's you got to know the words. To those who have died, we. What is it? Swear or cry was it? out? We cry out. They will not die in vain. They've not died. They've in not vain. died. In vain. Come right. on, you got to brush up on your Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> Such oh a my, good song. We've come this far, always believing that justice will somehow prevail. Right? right. Uh, it's beautiful Don't start words. Crying. No, it's beautiful words. And, and that the truth is why it's so beautiful is because that's what Hanukkah is. I think the thing about Hanukkah for me is that it's my mom. It's the sense of. It's the realness of Hanukkah, the history mm. of this small band of brothers who like overcame these incredible odds and cleaned up this land and and were able to like get rid of these forces and just defeat huge armies and just like it was so real and so written. It's so they're whole we know there are ten battles. We know everything about them. And and their like rise and eventual fall. And it's just so visceral. It's like I could feel it, and that's that's uh, that's my mother's gift of feeling history, and uh, and that's how I feel about Hanukkah. And I think I think I think that's uh, I think that that's 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 what informs at least for me a lot of times informs my relationship to to like the Torah and stuff like that. Is that you could really feel it. You know, you could really feel Avram. You could really feel these these uh, moral moral challenges and uh, familial challenges and the walking in this land and talking with God. Any case, uh, we are going to be really in a place this Shabbat where you can really feel it, and that is going to be in Maratha Machpelah. With, with 40, here's a, here's a feeling thought. The people that are coming to Hebron the Shabbat, they're the children. 
They're the great grandchildren of 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 this this original right. couple, and that's powerful. You know, we're really celebrating it together, and so um, I'm very excited for that. And I want to say that you don't have to be in Hebron and Hebron this Shabbat in order to feel it. You're gonna be there wherever you are. And I'm asking all of our friends, all of our listeners, this Friday night, to say l'chaim to the the fathers and mothers buried in Hebron, l'chaim to Hebron, l'chaim to the continued Jewish presence of Hebron. That's what I'm asking from everybody. I'm asking for hashtag l'chaim to Hebron or Hebron l'chaim. That's what I'm asking <laughs> for. Okay, and I really, not just a hashtag, I want you to raise your glass. Okay? Raise your glass. Okay? Uh, to to uh, the the story the continuing story of Hebron. Raise your glass not only to them in Hebron where people are celebrating, but to us, all of us who are part of that great story. Malka Fleischer, I want to thank you so much for being on the show with me. Thank you, and God bless you. Yes, and you. Keep up the good work. Keep Let's up go the have keep some up fun the Shabbos. Keep up the laughs. That's right. You've already bought. You've uh, for the Hebron fund. You're in charge of the liquor. Yeah, I'm. I, do, I am the. Uh Sarah Mashkim. Sarah Hamashkim. Sarah Ma- <laughs> <laughs> That's what Dan Rosenstein asked me to be every year. He's like, that's will right. you be the Sarah Mashkim? That's right. Oh, yeah. And I'm I, gonna, bought, I'm gonna, I bought... I'm going to say that's that. That's funny. The, that's a good one. You're the Sarah Hamashkim. Uh, we bought a lot of liquor, dudes. You bought a lot of liquor. Well, that's what I was That's what I was authorized to but do. But buying the liquor is not everything now. we got to drink pour it. it. I bought the little cuppies. That's right. All right, everybody. L'chaim. Uh, and God bless you wherever you are. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected, stay part of the story. Write us an email, yishai at thelandofisrael.com. I still owe you to talk about some of the emails that you guys sent out last week. I'm looking forward to uh, to talking about them. But in any case, last few weeks, but in any case, God bless you and keep up the good strength out there and be part of this amazing story. Don't let anybody quash you or shrink you. Uh, at the end, we are we, we're moving, we're moving light years ahead. Huge steps are happening big things. Some things seem stalled and other things are just flying ahead. Pay attention to those things. I give you permission to be wowed. I give you permission to be wowed. I sometimes on a tour bus, I say to people, okay, I give you permission to be wowed. You're allowed to say wow. <laughs> and then the rest of the tour, I'm like, I point something out. People are like, wow. <laughs> and, and people like are joking with me, but they actually do it. They're just like, wow. I'm like, yeah, wow. wow. So permission to be wowed. Uh, and thank you, God, for the permission to live this life of wow. Yes, amen. More great stuff is in the way on this amazing station, the Land of Israel Network. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected. Lots of love from Judea, from Jerusalem, from Hebron, from the Land of Blessings. Blessings to you. Shalom. Shalom. Prime Minister Netanyahu. Benny Gantz. Avidor Lieberman. Yeah, Lapid. Will the people of Israel have a government soon? Will it be a unity government? Will it be a right-wing government? Will it be a left-wing government with Arab support? Or will we be going to elections on Purim? Find out by listening to Inside Israel today here on the Land of Israel Network on thelandofisrael.com.